Now, that song should have woke you up. <laughs> that was a little bit more radical than what we usually play here, but I figured you needed to be awakened on such a beautiful day. Uh, how many of you have been thinking this past week about the limitlessness of God? After we talked on it a little bit last, last week. The passages we read last week were awesome. And uh, we're looking at water underneath my pulpit. Y'all see that? I do. Can y'all see that right there? We had about a dozen people got baptized last night, so we didn't get all the water up, I see. We had an awesome time, though. We really did. Uh, <clears throat> how do you feel about God being limitless and generous to you. Pretty good. Pretty good? Okay, two of you like that. Let's go on back over here and we'll talk about it some more. Now, I, I think we all are thrilled. Like, you mean God is really that way? He's really that way toward us? I mean, he has no limitations, and he wants to share his unlimited provisions and supply and resources with us? And, you know, in this world in which we live right now, there's all kinds of crazy things going on, you know, not just in our political agenda, but around the world and with ISIS and the horrors and tragedies and the terrorism and who knows what tomorrow will bring. Do you think it would be a wise idea for us to be prepared for tomorrow? Is there anything we can do to prepare for our future? We understand that even our electrical grid has the potential of going down just because it's archaic. And wintertime's coming. And... There are attacks on it, and who knows what's going on in our world around about us. But I want you to understand something. God is unlimited. He is limitless, and he can meet your needs no matter what's going on in the world around about us. And maybe you put aside a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little extra to have during those seasons where maybe you would lose electricity or provisions wouldn't be available for a week or two or a month, or, but there's even greater preparations you can make. They really are. And that's getting close to the Almighty and taking the limitations off of God. Do you know that God is unlimited in your life unless you put limitations on Him? I'm telling you the truth, and we often do. We kind of tell God what He can do and what He can't do in our lives. Well, I don't believe that, <laughs> you know. And God goes, okay. <laughs> All right, they don't believe that, all right, you know. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And all things are possible to those who uh, believe. Well, let me uh, hit a, just a, a few passages this morning, just a little bit of a review of what we talked about last week, just a little bit, and then we'll move on. It says in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 8, and I'm reading to you out of the Amplified Bible this morning. It says, I am... This is Jesus talking. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the Greek alphabet from A to Z. He said, I'm, I'm from A to Z, and anything that you ever need, anything you can spell with all those letters in there, I'm it. You know, I am. The great I am. I, I always have been. I am now, and I will always be there. So he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever who was continually existing in the past, and who is to come, the almighty, the omnipotent, the ruler of what? 
It's a ruler of all. Not just ruler of some, but he's a ruler of all. He is the most high and limitless. You know, we're talking about God here who created you, who's loved you, who's got a purpose and a plan for your life. In Psalms 147, verse 4, it says, He counts the stars. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but they are limitless. He counts the stars, and the scripture says he, he calls them all by name. Now, he created them, and they're limitless. And he created something that was so limitless, and he can tell you what number that one is. You point into the heavens and say, well, that's like 4,692 or something, and we call that one Jeremiah, you know. It, he created limitless stuff, and he named it all, and that was just like a, a movement of his hand, a word or two spoken. God is limitless. He is absolutely phenomenal. He is amazing. Listen to what it says here. It says, he commands the stars, and he calls them all by name, and his power is, what's that word? Absolute, which means total and complete. It means limitless, unlimited. That's what this word absolute here means. That's God. His power is limitless. It's, it's absolute. And then in Jeremiah, here comes uh, the big question we kind of ended with last week. He says in Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. And now he knows the answer, but he's asking you for an answer. He says, Is there anything too hard for me? And that's your opportunity to answer. Is anything too hard for God? What about what you're going through in your life right now? Physical, financial, mental, relational. And is there anything too hard for God to jump in the midst of and help you with? Nothing is too difficult for him. And we see it in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to what it says here. It says, Now unto him who is able. Would you say that word with me? Able. Say it one more time. Able. Now unto him who is able, if we don't limit him, because you have the ability to limit God in your life. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. This word exceedingly, it means extreme. It means going beyond all limits. Now unto him who is able to go beyond all limits to do exceedingly abundantly, and this word abundantly just means large quantities. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power, his power that works in us now he's able to go way beyond anything you could possibly imagine or ask for and he says here according to the power his power that works in us are you allowing God's power to work in you you see you can limit him you go, no I ain't gonna do that well I believe this <laughs> I don't believe that yeah well I believe this here I don't believe that do we kind of pick and choose? You know, we, we limit God. Well, no, you can't do that, you know. We are the only thing that limits God in our lives by putting up our hands. We can limit him through our pride. It says, God resists the proud, 
but he gives more grace to the humble. In uh, Psalm 78, verse 41, it says, Yes, again and again they tempted God. And what's that word? And they limited the Holy One of Israel by their disbelief, by their disobedience, by not doing what God commanded them, what God told them in His Word to do. They limited. Again and again they tempted. Again and again they limited God from the blessings He wanted to pour out upon their lives. They limited Him by their disbelief, their doubt, their fear, their anxieties, their worries, and by their disobedience. They limited God. Are we limiting God the same way in our own lives? Think about it. And this brings us to the conclusion of our review. James chapter 1, verse 22, and it says, But don't just listen to God's word. Now, is it important to listen? Sure it is. Faith comes by listening. Faith comes by hearing God's word. But it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves, deceiving yourselves, misleading yourselves. So it's really important if you want to take the limitations off of God, when you hear what he says, do it. Because if you hear what he says, oh, that's awesome, oh, that's wonderful, that's fantastic, and then you don't do it, you limit God's work in your life. There was a man who had been sentenced to death for a crime, and some of the people went to the governor, and they pled for the man's life. The governor actually wrote a pardon, and the man said, I will not accept it. This is the guy who's in prison. So the high courts met, and they passed this judgment that the pardon is rendered invalid and the man must be hanged if he refuses the pardon. See, he had been granted a fantastic, awesome pardon. You know, no strikes against you. But see, he wouldn't believe it. And if he did believe it, he wouldn't receive it. So he limited the highest courts from pardoning him, the, the pardon was invalid because he would not access it, he would not receive it. And you and I limit God the same way. God says, this is, well, I don't believe that, you know. Well, I, I don't want to believe that, you know. I'm not going to turn to that page no more, you know. It's just like, whoosh, tear that one out and throw it away. I don't care for that one. We can limit God's pardon from reaching us in the capacity that he wants it to because of the limitations we put upon him. Just like this particular guy refused the pardon. We can refuse, and you probably know people who have refused the pardon of God. They've not been forgiven. They've not received it. It's been offered. It's been signed with red ink drawn from our Savior's veins. You know, pardon, forgiven. But some people will not accept it, you see. So we have a part, that's what I'm trying to say. We can hear what God says, but we have a part to do what it says. That's our, our part. We can't do all, but we can do our little part, and we can access the limitlessness of Almighty God. Okay, review's over. First uh, Kings chapter 17, verse 1 says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, he told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, 
there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now here's Elijah, the prophet, speaking to King Ahab and says, there ain't going to be no rain, there ain't going to be no dew, no moisture at all until I give the word because God told me to tell you this. Pretty, pretty incredible for this to actually work. Verse 2 says, And then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. That's that. Is that pretty cool? You don't know what your diet's supposed to be, and God's the one who's bringing it, you know? He sends his ravens. What do you suspect the ravens brought him to eat? And they came twice a day. Now, it doesn't say, but I can only use my imagination. I mean, they could swoop down and maybe grab a fish or something from somewhere or catch a little rodent possibly. But I suspect those ravens, as they're flying around, when the chef in the king's palace turns his back to check on his spaghetti, you know, the ravens flew in and grabbed some awesome loaves of bread or, or some meats or some delicacies, and, and, and it says the ravens, right? It didn't say there was a one-course meal. <laughs> he says, the ravens, you know, eat what the ravens. They could have brought a nine-course meal. We don't know. But God commanded the ravens to bring the prophet, the man of God, food twice every day. I mean, that's pretty limitless, you know, when other people are in a famine time, there's no, no water, you know, the crops are drying up, and here's this man of God sitting beside this beautiful brook, he's drinking all the water he wants, he's eating, you know, food that the ravens bring him every day, twice a day. Anyhow, picking up in verse 5, it says, So Elijah did, as the Lord told him, and he camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens, again plural, brought him bread and meat each morning. And, he, I mean, they were bringing this guy a balanced diet, you know. And he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I've instructed the ravens to take care of you. Now it's time to leave here. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So says God. You know, now you got to understand, Elijah has been eating two good meals a day, plenty of water. He's pretty robust. He's pretty healthy. Most people in the community by this time are experiencing tremendous uh, famine and are not faring near as well as he was. And it was obvious to look at him that he hadn't missed very many meals. So it says here, verse 10, So he, Elijah, the man of God, he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, and uh, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour. Oh, 
excuse me just a moment. I was late getting here to put this in a brown paper bag, so. There's a little olive oil. There's a little meal, so you can kind of visualize that for a moment. Now, where was I at? Verse 12, she said, But I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. I mean, she could have just easily said, listen, we really respect you and your God, but we can't afford to give you this. This is our last morsel. And then we will die as other people are dying all around us right now. Here's the prophet, the man of God who God said, this widow is going to feed you throughout this whole family. Verse 13 says, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, exclamation mark, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this famine. Don't be afraid of this drought. Don't be afraid of this limited supply that you have. Go ahead and do just what you've said. Okay, that's, that's nice of him. And then he says, but make a little bread for me first. You know what? That's, in my book, that had to be one of the toughest things. Here she is, skin and bones. Her son is skin and bones. She is genuinely already considered that they will eat their last little bread and within a few days they'll die of starvation. And here's this prophet coming and saying, well, you cook it now, but, and I know you don't have much, but, but, but cook me a little one first. I mean, how selfish does that sound? You, you, you understand the Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than ours. And, and see, to be natural... Just to operate in the natural says, hey, buddy, I am so sorry. This is the last, and I'm probably going to give most of my little loaf of bread to my son to extend his life a little longer than mine, you know. I mean, what could she have said to him? It's not proper to say that in a church, okay? Here you're saying, make me one first. But you need to understand, he was telling her what God told him to tell her. He was telling her, a man who was enjoying and experiencing the limitlessness of Almighty God. He's saying, listen, this is all you got. This is it's over with. I'm giving you an opportunity to partner with God to tap into his limitless supply. So we see here, I'm going to read that verse again, verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you said, but make a little bread for me first. And his mind is, he's saying, you can't afford not to. This is the only thing that you've got that you can make a difference with at the moment. And then he said, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. He's saying you put God first. But see, it ain't natural to put God first. It's natural to put us first. Is it not? But when we put us first... We do not tap into his limitless provisions. Verse 14. 
And, and we're not just talking about dollars and cents here. There is so much that God can provide way beyond. It says in verse 14, it says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is what God says. This is God's ways that are higher than our ways. He says, There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. God said, you give him this little portion first. You've got a seed to plant, and your jar of meal will never run dry. Your jug of oil will never be empty. No matter how many days there are, three meals a day for you, your son, and, and for the prophet, and I'll guarantee if their hearts were big and generous, other people that were starving around about them, they were bringing in neighbors and feeding them, but they never ever hit the bottom of the jar no matter how many cakes you make oh wow there's more you know oh well there's more and you look oh there's more oil that's what happened there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the lord sends rain and the crops grow again that's what god the almighty the limitless god he can do anything <clears throat> he really can you remember what it says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6? It says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. What you don't know can hurt you, can it? What you don't know, it can hurt you. And God says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. The, the knowledge of God's word and God's precepts enable us to access his limitlessness. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge, because you've rejected the knowledge of God, just like that guy who rejected the pardon. Because you have rejected knowledge, I'll also reject you from being priests for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your God, I'll also forget your children. But the widow, she heard God's word, she believed God's word, and she did her part. And God remembered her and her children she not only survived but she thrived and she was the source that kept this prophet alive uh, who, elijah one of the most awesome prophets that there were and i'm sure she took care of her neighbors around about her not only surviving but thriving in in you know famine and pestilence and and when everybody else was suffering she was doing awesome because she did her little part her little part and that's what God wants us to do. Take the limitations off of him. And I'm telling you, for what is ahead for us? If you read your Bibles at all, and you know that what we have ahead of us, when all it's going to come together, I don't know, but we can prepare for what lays ahead of us, and that is a close, intimate relationship with Almighty God. And a man or a woman who will just obey. I'll hear what you say, God, and then I'll do my part, whatever that part might be. Well, let's pick up back over here in 1 Kings, chapter 17. Pick up in uh, verse 15, and it says, So she did, this widow, she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. And there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah limitless to provide for 
these people an endless supply, a limitless supply, just because she made a little loaf of bread for, as she saw it, God, to put God's kingdom, his, his message first. It's pretty amazing. Here's the question. What would you have done? We know we would like to say, oh, I would have made him one too. <laughs> but when the rubber meets the road and you know you've only got a few days for you and your son to live, would you really make somebody else one first? Tendency is like, as I said, it's inappropriate to say what you might would say. In a church building, you know, it's like, you want to take the last bite of food out of my son's mouth? You know, that's natural, but it was supernatural for her to do what God had shown her, you know? What would have happened if that woman and her son ate it all? What would have happened? That's exactly right. They would have died. So what's one more meal? Take the risk. It's the last thing she had to partner with God. There was nothing else she had. So take the risk, you know? The Amazon River is the largest river in the world. The mouth is 90 miles across, and there's enough water to exceed the combined flow of the Anzis, Mississippi, Nile River. So much water comes from the Amazon that they can detect its currents 200 miles out in the Atlantic Ocean. One irony of ancient navigation is that sailors in ancient times died for lack of water because they would be caught in a windless part of the sea, you know, the wind wouldn't blow, and they, they would run out of uh, fresh water out in, in the South Atlantic. So here was a ship, and it was adrift. It was helpless, dying of thirst. And sometimes uh, another ship, you know, would, you know, come by from South America who knew the area, and they'd come alongside, you know, uh, the ship, and they'd call out, What's your problem? And they'd exclaim, Can you spare us some water? Our sailors are dying of thirst. And from the other ship would come the cry, Just lower your buckets. You're in the mouth of the mighty Amazon River. Huh? The irony is that God and his limitless provisions are right here all around us, and we don't recognize. Here these men, some of them literally died for lack of fresh water because they thought the water that they were sitting in was salty water. They couldn't see no shore. But this awesome Amazon River that projected currents 200 miles out at sea, they were sitting in 100% fresh water. And all they had to do, let's see, do I happen to, just happen to have a bucket with me today? Oh, I do. How about that? It says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. They don't know that there's a limitless supply of fresh water. Just drop your buckets down. Some guys are saying, I've been at the sea all my life, and I can't see land nowhere. This is salt water. Stop wasting my time. But some people were willing to take the risk, like the widow was. Drop your buckets down. It's like, it's fresh water. Hey, guys. They started diving in and drinking it, you know. Is it possible 
that you in your life, in your situation, the things you're dealing with right this moment, is it possible that you're in this awesome, amazing, limitless supply and you don't even know it's there? Is it possible? The answer to that question is yes, it is possible. God says his people perish for the lack of knowledge. In the midst of limitless supply. And often we don't know it. So we fear. We worry. We're anxious. We struggle. And we're in the midst of it. Will God ever abandon you? Absolutely no way. He says he would never leave us. And he would never forsake us. He tells us all things are possible to those who believe. Nothing is impossible. When God is with you, and we see here a little situation, and, and, and that woman didn't have near as good a covenant as we have. She had an Old Testament covenant. Christ has come, paid for our sins, and risen from the dead. We have an awesome, fantastic covenant now that was better than the old. A limitless supply. Limitless. Like the stars of the heaven. Limitless. But lots of times we don't even know it's there. But if we'll do our part, we'll drop our bucket down and pull aboard some of God's limitless provisions and resources. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it starts off with the word honor. Honor, the opposite would be to dishonor. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. He's talking about property, belongings, wealth, goods, assets. Sometimes we get caught up in this world where we only honor ourselves with our stuff. I'm going to honor me. I want one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those. I want one of, you know, I don't really want to honor God with, with a little bit of my meal and a little bit of my oil. Or when we have an abundance, I don't want to honor God with it. I want to kind of keep it all for me. See, because God's ways is higher than ours. And, and, and in reality, what you have, you think is a lot, but you're not dropping your bucket down and you're not tapping into the provisions that Almighty God has made for you. He says here, honor the Lord with your possessions, with your stuff. And think about it just for a moment. Are you honoring God with your stuff, with your belongings right now? Are you really honoring him with that? You know, the widow, she honored God with her stuff. I mean, that was a risk. But she honored it, and she tapped in. She dropped her bucket and tapped into a limitless supply of what God had. She accessed it, you see. Let me read once again. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the last fruits of all your increase. Is there a difference? See, some people... Well, let me pay this and pay this and pay this and pay this and do 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 this. And if I have anything left over, God, which you won't, I'll give you a little bit of what come in from the tag sale. Okay. Is that all right with you? What if the widow had been that way? She would have died. And so would her son. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. And you understand the first fruit is just a tithe. The first fruit is a small portion off the top before you start paying everything and everybody else. It's an indication that you're putting God first. It's an indication that you know where the limitless supply comes from. And you give God, does God need your 10%? 
Heck no. He don't need it. But he did he need that woman's piece of bread? He'd been sending ravens. Couldn't he have sent ravens to take care of her and him too? Sure he could. But he was allowing her to partner with him. And God allows us to partner with him. And he says, honor him with your stuff. Which is saying like, I know where my stuff comes from. It comes from God. Honor him with your possessions and with the first fruits. Not the leftovers, but with the first fruits of half of your increase. Oh, it says of all your increase. He's saying, honor the Lord with the first fruits. That's how you drop the bucket down and access his limitless provisions. And then he says in verse 10, so. Now, what does the word so mean? As a result. So, as a result, your barns will be filled with plenty. An abundance is talking about here. And your vats will overflow with new wine. We're talking about limitless supply. <clears throat> you honor God with your stuff. You give him the first part. Not if there's anything left over. You give him the first part. It's an indication of faith that you believe it all came from him. And you're partnering with him just the same way that widow gave the, 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 the first part of what she had left over. And, you know, they were getting ready to die, but she gave the first part to God, and God allowed her to drop her bucket, tap into that limitless supply. In the book of Luke, we're going to see <clears throat> a little different story. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 says, And then he told, this is Jesus, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm. Boy, I mean, it would grow anything, you know. And this fertile farm, it produced fine crops. And he said to himself, you ever talk to yourself? Well, he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. No, and I read this many times. Nowhere does he save. You know, there's a bunch of orphans running around here. And I think I'm going to go down there to the orphanage and I'm going to build them something or I'm going to tell them I'll provide the next year's food for you and them kids. And you know, you guys here at Faith Living Church, Nobody else from anywhere else, but you are taking care of two faith-living churches in Ethiopia. And you are feeding every day over 300 children who are learning about Jesus Christ. You're doing that. been doing it for a couple years. You know that, right? Somewhere deep down on the inside of you, and this is going on as we speak right now, there's kids, they're going to church, and they're getting a, an awesome, fantastic meal every day. Because somebody here said, well, I could buy this with that or I could make sure this church thrives in Ethiopia that's going through very hard times. The food prices has doubled in the last month or so. There's dire famine in so many parts of the place. There's greater need rising up. But there's some kids that go to bed with their tummies full every night because of you. But in this situation here, here's a rich man, and he says, I don't have room for all my crops. Never did he say, well, maybe... There's some widows in town that I could try to help out a little bit. Not one time. It says in verse 18, then he said, I know, I've got it. I know, I'll tear down my barns, my perfectly good, healthy barns. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones and then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat 
and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, self? And he says, I'll say to myself, my friend, it's probably his only friend was himself because he's kind of a selfish guy. He says in verse 19, I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat and drink and, and be merry. Hmm. It's foolish to be rich only in material goods. What does the Bible say? If a man gains the whole world and he loses his own soul, what does he really profit by it? Material possession, see, is only a very small part of what we need to survive and what we need to thrive. We need so much more. And here's this guy. His entire life revolved around making material goods his primary goal, making you know these resources fill up his barns, and now oh, the barns are full. Well, we'll tear them down, build bigger ones and bigger never did he think I should try to help someone who is in need verse 20 it says but God said to him God's on this is Jesus telling the story but God said to him you fool you will die this very night and then who will get everything you worked for yes a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God a rich relationship with God is one where you put God first in your life and you put God's ways and his will you put it first in your life God has limitless provisions for all of us and the way we access it is the way the widow did she heard what God had to say she acted upon it she dropped down her bucket and she had all she needed to eat for as many days as it took for the famine to be over and for the crops to grow and mature before her, her uh, containers went empty. But then she had fresh stuff all around about her. Listen to what it says here in the book of Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I am the Lord, and I always change. Oh, yes. I am the Lord, and I do not change. We know over in Hebrews, it says that Jesus says, it. he says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't change. I don't change. And then over in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and understanding in verse 8 and 9, if you're interested, but in verse 8 and 9, he explains the difference between an offering and what a tithe is. Tithe belongs to God, an offering is something that you, I just want to go beyond that. I want to help these orphans or I want to help this lady or that lady can't buy for her, pay for her groceries let me take care of that these are offerings these are special little projects but it explains that in the book of Malachi there chapter 3 but it says here bring all the tithes and that is 10% bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple and just so you know from time to time you really should thank God We've just had a 35-year run here at Faith Living Church. Just celebrated 35 years. And very seldom, and most of you have never, ever seen us take out of an offering. Is that true? There's a tithe box here. There's one up there. 
and rarely do we ever pass a plate, unless there's a hurricane or a tragedy somewhere or special mission things going on. But somebody has been tithing on a regular basis. The reason you got a comfortable chair to sit in right now, and the reason there's electricity and there's sound equipment, and there's some pretty cool stuff, and thousands of people have heard the gospel. Somebody's been tithing. Might not been you, but somebody's been tithing, and somebody's been giving offerings, and not only giving their their uh, belongings, but they've been giving their time and their energy to make a difference on behalf of God and His His kingdom. So sometimes when you're praying, I want to challenge you to go to God and say, Lord, thank you that somebody, before I, I was even born, somebody made sure that there was a good little church over there in Plantsville that me and my family could go to and we could hear about the things of God, you know, and get involved with all the school, you know, the dramas and all the things that they've learned here and go on. So anyhow, that's been going on for 35 years, but it's only because some little widow, and to be honest with you, that's usually where it comes from. It's the people who have the least are the ones who paid the bills. Just to be honest with you, that's where most of it comes from. It really does. But God uses, God bless those little widows. He uses them in amazing ways to change this world in which we live. But he says here in Malachi 3.10, says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And listen what God has the audacity to say. If you do, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open. You know what the word open means? It means to unlock. Now, I got some keys here, and I was wondering. I have one of these little keys, this electronic keys, that open my car, and I was wondering if it would unlock your car that might be out here. <clears throat> so let me see if I can. Listen. Do you hear something? Which side do you hear it from? Oh, that's my car. <laughs> Is there a difference between your car being locked and not? Is there a difference between your house being locked and not? I mean, is it important that you have a key to unlock your house? What happens, have you ever, anybody here ever left their keys in their car? <laughs> About half of you. So you know how important it is to have it unlocked, right? I better lock mine back. <clears throat> but he says here, God says, if you do, if you'll bring all of the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple, if you do, says who? The Lord of heaven's armies, I will open, unlock the windows of heaven for for who for you that's what god said now it, it, it gets it gets richer listen what he says if you do like the widow did and you put god first if you do says the lord of heaven's army i'll unlock the windows of heaven for you i will pour out which means to release i will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. So why would God give you more than you have room to take in? Because he wants you to be generous. He wants you to support 
little orphans who don't have mamas or daddies or have anything in there, eating out of a garbage dump over in Ethiopia. He wants you to support this mission and that mission and this, and he wants you to reach out to your neighbor who's in need or someone who lost a job and help them for a, a week or two or a month or two that they get back on their feet. He wants you to use your stuff, and he says, if you do, if you bring all your tithe into the storehouse so there's enough food in my temple, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open, unlock the windows of heaven for you, for you, for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. That means limitless. Accessing the limitlessness of God. And then listen to the next few words. God says, try it, exclamation mark, try it. Put me to the test. Now, if you want to find out if God is real, if you want to find out if God's true to his word, if you want to find out if he is alive and, and everything that he says, he says, put him to the test. Do what God says. If God don't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings, you don't have room enough, well, then throw that book away. Find something else to do with your time and energy. You say, Pastor Ron, that's pretty radical. He's the one who said put him to the test. If I told you right now, if I had, now, I don't have this, I don't have these resources, okay? But if I had $1,000 in my pocket right now, and I said, the first person who gets to me, I'm going to give it to you, what would you do? Some of you would be walking on top of the chairs, pushing everybody else out of the way. We'd have a few broken arms in here, you know. And somebody would sit back and I don't believe it. And now if you came up here and, and, and you was the first one here, and I said, well, April Fool, I don't really have $1,000. You probably would never come back again and say, the guy's a liar. That's what God just did. God said, try it. Put me to the test. You do your part and I'll open the windows of heaven like I did for this little old widow here. You, you do your part and you can begin to drop down your bucket and access a limitless supply that everybody else don't even know is there. This is one of the amazing passages in the Bible where God says, try it, put me to the test. It's really amazing. So if you ever put God to the test, let me know. I want to hear what happens. I've heard hundreds and thousands of stories over the years, when God put people, people after church last night were telling me, you wouldn't believe, Pastor, on what God did. I'm going, try me. I think I might believe it, you know. It was amazing. And maybe you'll hear about that later on. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Oops, I better get going. He says, remember this. It is easy to forget stuff, isn't it? <clears throat> remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You see, God's ways are limitless. He teaches, you plant one kernel of corn, you'll get hundreds back in its place. He says, and that's in regards to offering. See, an offering is, is the giving. A tithe is what uh, belongs to God. He says in verse 7, it says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. This is regarding an offering. Listen to what he says, and if you don't want to give, this is your verse, okay? <coughs> he says, <coughs> excuse me, oh boy, oh, I forgot something. I really did, it's out in my car. You got an usher? Quickly, come here. 
honestly forgot something. Come on, John. <clears throat> Here, I think it's unlocked now. Looking at the very back of my car. Good morning. It's good to have you here today. <laughs> Second Corinthians, people who are watching this online are going like, what was he saying there, you know? Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, <clears throat> it says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. You got to decide this. You can do this. Nobody else. Thank you, brother. Would you give John here an awesome hand for us? Let's put it right in my bucket, brother. You saved my life, brother. Thanks for the lifesaver, too. It says here, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So if you feel that somebody's, if you feel I'm pressuring you to give, don't give. By all means, don't do it. Because he said in his word, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully whose heart is in their giving. That's the person that God gives it to. If that widow had been saying, you mean old prophets, you were here, take it then, you know? I hope you die soon too, you know? It's like, you think she would have been blessed? No. Your heart's got to be in it. You got to do it cheerfully. So he says in verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide what? All you need. His, he's limitless and then you will always have everything you need. If you give, then you will have always, always have everything, everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God is always about you having plenty left over to share with others. He's always about that. That's why he says he wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You don't have room. We don't have no, we're we, we going to have to tear our barns down, build bigger barns, bigger clock. No, no. You go, there's somebody who's in need. Let me find that need. Uh, maybe we need to start another church somewhere else. Maybe we, we got two going on in Ethiopia and there's a third one just right around the corner from there getting ready. It's like maybe we need to not be so selfish and just keep building bigger barns. Maybe we need to partner with what Almighty God's doing. Anyhow, he says here, then if you give from the heart, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's limitless. And it says here, and, and, and we're winding down here, so give me a couple more minutes. Galatians 6, 7 in the Amplified, it says, Do not be deceived. And we fool ourselves all the time. 
Well, we do. Our selfishness does that to us. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts or his instructions in law to be scornfully set aside. It's not wise to ignore God's ways, you know. He says, for whatever a man sows, and what does the word sow mean? Plant. This and this only is what he will reap. You know, if, if he plants corn, what's he going to reap? If he plants nothing, what's he going to reap? Nothing. If you plant love, you're going to reap love. If you plant hatred, you're going to reap hatred. He says, don't fool yourself. You're going to reap what you plant. And the best thing we can be doing preparing for our future right now is to tap into God's limitless provisions. Honor him with our stuff and with the first fruits, the, the best part, you know. Uh, God demonstrates this throughout the Bible where he, a little boy gives five loaves and two fish and God feeds 5,000 men plus the women and the children with it, with a gift. It's amazing what God can do. What the testimony that little boy had when he went, man, you're the guy who made that happen. You're the guy who made that happen. Oh, no, it was your mama who packed that lunch for you, but you were generous. Anyhow, here's the last verse we're going to look at. Luke 6, 37. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. What's that little thing that you can go, boom? The boomerang effect's what we're talking about here. This, it says, uh, do not judge others, or you'll, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Boom. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven, see? You always reap what you sow. Here we go. It's verse 38. Last verse we're going to look at. It says, give, and you will receive. It'll be given to you. Your gift will return to you in half. What does this say? He says, it's going to come back in full. That's awesome. I'm supposed to read that. I'm teasing. I'm glad you know it. He says, give, and your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together. Thank you, John, for helping me out here. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you guys a question. Has this bag of, what is this, Doritos Cool Ranch, has it been tampered with? This is just the way it came from the store, right? I had Susan go out and pick me up some last night. You know, why in the world do they do this? You know, you buy this great big old bag of chips, and you go, oh, man, this is going to be awesome, right? If you look at the back of it, it'll say something for, like, sold <clears throat> by volume. No, by weight, not by volume. Some settling may occur during shipping. That's been on there for hundreds of years. They know that. Why didn't they just let some settling happen in their plant and give me a whole bag of chips? It's deceptive. Look at here. Does that look full to you? Does it? Right here. That's called deception. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me. 
It's only half full, but it's pretty good. <clears throat> the Bible says, give and you will receive, and your gift will return to you full. Not no half a bag of chips. It's going to return full because while it's still in the manufacturing plant, they're going to press it down. They're going to shake it together to make room for what? More running over. And once they shaking it down, press it down, shaking it down until the thing was running over, it says, and then pour it into your lap. When you give, God gives it back in full. And he don't give you something halfway. He gives it to you full, pressed down, shaking together, running over, you know, and made room for more here, and pour into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Okay, I know we got to stop here. But <clears throat> anybody have a clue whose boots these are? What color are they inside? I don't wear pink boots, okay? So whose boots do you think these are? These are miracles boots. Whose boots you think those are? Those are mine. Whose is bigger? So when you give with a, a big bucket, and then God uses his big bucket, is his big bucket bigger than yours? Absolutely. And it says here, verse 38, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. This is God's concept. Run it over and pour it into your lap, and the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. When I use my big bucket, God uses his big bucket, his big measure. And just like my boots are bigger than my daughter's, God's boots is bigger than mine, his bucket is bigger than mine. So what I'm talking about, about here you need to understand something I'm talking about the future to prepare for the future we've seen a, a woman thrive during a horribly famine time we saw her thrive because she put God first and I cannot challenge you enough in all your preparations for the future keep God first and foremost all the preparations you can do and tearing down your barns and building bigger ones to have stuff during difficult times it will do you little good if you have not put God first in the whole package of it all. That's how we access the limitlessness of Almighty God. Our time is up. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for the wonderful things that you have allowed us to enjoy here on this planet. We thank you for relationships, for our family and our friends and all the things that you have done. We thank you especially for your son and thank you for your word that helps us to learn your ways and to learn your thoughts and adapt them as our own. Lord, we understand this day that you are limitless and we want to take the limits off you. We want to be men and women who are not deceived, men and women who will take your word, <clears throat> whatever it says, whatever it is, and apply it to our lives. We want to be on the cutting edge of what you're doing. We want to be on the, in the thick of what you're doing here on this planet right now, Lord, for we know you put us here with a purpose. So thank you, Father. Give us a fresh appetite for your word that we will read it and study it and apply it to our lives and reach our full potential. Thank you, Lord, for those who are already operating in these principles. I thank you for the windows of heaven that are already opened upon their lives. I thank you that you've proven yourselves over and over and over and over again. 
Thank you, Father, for settling things that you give back into us and shaking them up and, and providing more, not so we can be stingy and greedy, but so we can make a difference in our sphere of influence. So we always have some left over to make a difference to other people. We thank you, Father. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer before we dismiss to renew your faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never received his pardon. So as we pray together, would you receive his pardon? Would you reach out and accept the pardon that he's offering you, forgiveness of your sins, to write your name in the book of life? If you've already done that, would you just <clears throat> reaffirm that as we pray together? So join me out loud as we pray before we dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you're limitless and that everything I need, I can find in you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place and he paid for all my sins and that he rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of my life and I open that door and I welcome Jesus in as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon coming. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On your way out, a couple things. First off, if you agree with this, just check this off on your weekly challenge. <clears throat> and it just says, I will strive this week to become more generous like Jesus. If, you, if that's you, check it off, drop it in the tithe box on your way out. If you need some prayer, people will be around the altar here. They'd love to join you and pray with you. If you prayed with us just now, Please stop and pick up the gift bag at the Connections desk, a Bible, a movie, all that's in that little gift bag and some other goodies that will inspire you. And the gift for all of our guests, stop and pick it up on your way out. God bless you. You are dismissed. Back to my lifesaver.